You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Schools closed, stores closed, businesses closed, people staying home. In a global pandemic, somehow one tech giant is kind of having a moment. Empty store shelves have led to a massive surge in Amazon orders for grocery items, cleaning products, and basic staples. Amazon. The company has been shipping products to people living in self-isolation across the country. And for some products, it's been struggling to keep up with demand, not to mention to maintain fair prices. We need to protect consumers, and that includes shielding them from scams and price gouging, which I called on Amazon to do. No one should be allowed to reap a windfall from fear and human suffering. And then there's the legitimate worry about the health of warehouse workers. Well, now to another developing story. An Amazon warehouse worker in New York City testing positive for coronavirus. So how is the world's largest online store dealing with the global pandemic? That's today on the show. I'm Ariel Zimros. This is Reset. Jason Del Rey, senior commerce correspondent for Recode, you've been covering Amazon for seven years, and you've sort of made it your business to understand how Amazon makes its decisions. So how has Amazon been responding to this pandemic? In many ways, but the key ones right now are trying to prioritize that they can keep in stock and keep delivering the most essential needs that people want right now. You could go to your local brick-and-mortar chain and see if you can find any hand sanitizer or hand soap. And in many places, you'd be shit out of luck right now. And it's been that way for weeks. On Amazon, they may have some stuff out of stock. You may be paying a little bit more than you would in a store. But you can find something (laughs) that you can buy if you really want to either wait a little longer, but still have the order placed, or pay a little extra. And that's really valuable for a lot of people. What are the major flaws that you've noticed in how Amazon is handling things, though? Because clearly it's not perfect. Right. So uh, one thing that a lot of people that shop on Amazon still don't realize is that around 60% of Amazon sales aren't actually Amazon, you know, buying inventory and selling it themselves. These are small mom and pops and mid-sized businesses selling on Amazon directly to shoppers. And so Amazon has been recruiting hundreds of thousands of these sellers over the last few years across the globe in an effort to get as much selection as possible. The downside of that is with that many sellers, you're going to have tons of people trying to take advantage of this crisis to either sell stuff that's mislabeled as, you know, helping to prevent 
getting the virus or just price gouging. You know, as recently as early March, you were seeing two packs of Purell hand sanitizer selling for three, four hundred dollars. I don't know if anyone was actually buying that stuff, but the openness of the Amazon marketplace allows for that kind of attempts at taking advantage of this this system. Amazon uses a lot of automated systems to try to look for this stuff. And they've also added a lot of manual, basically people, 24 hours around the globe, um, looking for listings that are very, very overpriced. By the first week in March, Amazon told uh, Senator Markey in a letter uh, who had been inquiring about uh, price gouging that they had removed more than 500,000 high-priced offers at that time and suspended 2,500 accounts of Amazon sellers who were engaging in these tactics. That is a ton of products. <laughs> it's cra- it's crazy. Um, they've run into a few challenges, though, along the way. One of them is in a pandemic like this that most of the world in this lifetime has never seen, it's not always clear what is and isn't a fair price. You know, if no one on earth except for Amazon is selling a certain in-demand product, is it fair for that product to be sold two times more, three times more? You know, some people would argue yes, if you're a believer in just supply and demand economics. Has Amazon experienced anything like this before? Do we have anything to compare that to? You know, it's really hard. I'm talking to some people inside the company, and they are so heads down trying to just keep up that it's hard to tell what it compares to. The way I'm thinking about it, you know, Amazon has Prime Day uh, the last couple of years, which is like a day and a half or two day shopping holiday that's in the summer. This is like a really fucked up Prime Day that has no end in sight and is caused by something horrific. Okay. (laughs) I appreciate the way that you explain things, Jason. You know, as I look out my window and see an Amazon delivery van and uh, a guy carrying four packages, um, you know, Amazon announced that basically they don't have enough workers right now to keep up with the demand. Around the holidays, they typically scale up and have these huge hiring events. Um, Well, this week they said they're looking for 100,000 full-time and part-time workers uh, because they're just not ready for it. I mean, that is that is a crazy amount of hiring. Um, and I think it just it goes to show both the demand and how really even a company like Amazon was not prepared for this. And I kind of don't blame them. Who is right now? So besides the whole holiday rush thing, this is basically new for Amazon. What changes has Amazon made because of the new coronavirus now, now that they have to deal with this, this massive problem? So in addition to one big announcement they made about needing to hire 100,000 new warehouse and delivery workers, they made another big announcement last week, which was that their warehouses were going to stop accepting inbound deliveries of non-essential goods. So what that means is, until at least early April, Amazon wants to make room in their warehouses for the stuff all of us are are ordering the most of right now. So, you know, napkins and toilet paper to soap to 
baby and pet care items. There are six different categories they outlined. And uh, if you're an Amazon seller and your product falls into one of those categories, you can still keep sending them to Amazon to store them. Uh, If you're an Amazon seller and you fall outside of those categories, like maybe sports gear or apparel, for the next three weeks, uh, if you want to keep selling on Amazon and Amazon doesn't already have any of your inventory, you basically got to figure out how to get that stuff to customers on your own. Okay, so if you're a person who sells products on Amazon, sort of as a as a third party, and you had a plan for this year where you were like, you know what people are really going to want? They're going to want footballs and <laughs> they're going to want new mattresses. Like your whole plan just went out the window. It may have. So I've talked to a bunch of people about this. And on one hand, you have people who say, listen, if you're a serious business person, uh, you probably would always want to have 30 days of inventory in an Amazon warehouse already Mm. just as a safety net. And if you're one of those people, Amazon will keep selling and shipping your stuff. They're not going to just ignore that it's in their warehouse. What they're saying is, we don't want any more of that stuff coming in in the next three weeks. Okay. Why exactly did they make this decision? Why did Amazon decide to say, you know what, just essential items? I I think there are a couple of reasons. The main ones are they're running out of stock really quickly of the stuff that people want the most of right now. And so Amazon knows they're not used to that. That disappoints customers. And I also think there's a certain bit, you know, of belief inside the company right now that, yes, we're benefiting from this, but we're doing sort of a public good. We have this ability that not many, if any, companies have. And so we really need to be getting in stock the stuff we need. And if we're getting it in stock, we need to store it. Um, So that's one hand. The other hand is all of this has a ripple effect on delivery times. Even if stuff's trying to come into their warehouse that's essential, but being blocked out by non-essential stuff, that can lead to delivery delays. I don't know about you, but I tried ordering something from Amazon uh, last week on a Monday, and the prime delivery promise was Friday. That's not normal. I tried to order a, a whiteboard recently, and the delivery date is more than a week out, uh, and it's supposed to be prime. So yeah, no, they're definitely having issues. And this isn't even to talk about, you know, and I'm not even touching on sort of their fresh grocery delivery program, which um, they have a couple of those. It gets a little confusing. There's Amazon Fresh and there's Whole Foods delivery. And, you know, for days on end, I was basically seeing no availability of delivery times. You know, they show, I think, usually three or four days out. And and at least where I live in northern New Jersey, close to New York City, there was literally no availability. They've never experienced something like this as long as I've covered the company, and that's been seven years. One of the things Amazon focuses on, I think it's one of their leadership principles, is sort of like they have a bias for action is what they say. What that really means is when we need to make big decisions, yes, we're going to think hard about them, but we sort of prioritize speed. And I think this is a moment when, you know, that makes perfect sense. After the break, what is Amazon doing to protect its workers from COVID-19 inside the 75 warehouses it operates across the country? 
Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This week on The Gray Area, Professor Diana Posulka and I tackle one of life's biggest questions. Are we alone in the universe? What would it take for you to step off the agnostic ledge and say, yeah, aliens are real. Is it a spacecraft landing on the White House lawn? Well, something that was anomalous in 1952 did fly over the White House. And that's one of those cases that is still weird. (laughs) That's This Week on the Gray Area, available wherever you get your podcasts. Jason Del Rey, senior commerce correspondent for Recode. All of this is happening at a moment when people are trying to self-isolate, to social distance, sometimes to quarantine themselves. Is Amazon trying to make sure that its employees are safe and and not getting infected? Like, what is going on on that front? Yeah, it's a really tough problem. On one hand, Amazon needs people still, you know, even with hundreds of thousands of robots. They need people right now to pick, pack, and ship stuff. There's no way around it if they're going to try to at all to keep up with the demand they're seeing. There are also many people right now who need to work to pay their bills, need to work to feed their families. Um, I think that's a lot of people. And so there are still tens, hundreds of thousands of people going into Amazon facilities around the globe right now. The big question right now is, is Amazon doing enough to keep those people safe? And frankly, beyond that, can they do enough to stop a potential mini outbreak inside one of their facilities? They've had a few cases in Europe already. And as of, I think, on March 18th, they had their first case in the U.S. um, in one of their smaller facilities, which is a delivery. It's called a delivery station um, in the Queensborough of New York City. And to be clear, when you say they've had their first case, that's just the first case that tested positive, right? Yes. To be clear, the first confirmed case of one of their warehouse workers um, having tested and confirmed to have uh, COVID-19. Right. Given that we just don't have enough tests right now, there may be other cases of COVID-19 among Amazon warehouse workers. We just don't know about it. And so I'm looking very closely to see if they start to establish any sort of standard policy for how long they keep facilities closed. In the Queen's case, they closed it temporarily on Wednesday 
it was back open on Thursday. That's it? Yes. Um, and so that's it. So so let me be fair for a second. The company says they've done a lot of things even before this case to try to prevent to prevent workers from perhaps contracting the virus from others or from spreading it to others if they if they do or don't know they have it. So things like in areas of the warehouse where people might have been closer than three or six feet to extra sanitation of railings and doorknobs. And all of that is fine and great if it's being executed across the board, which is, you know, another question with a network as large as Amazon's. But it's just not clear whether that's going to be enough. And I I just wonder if and when they have a case where a warehouse has three, four, five, a dozen, two dozen cases. Right. What do you do then? And if it's multiple facilities, especially in high-density shopping areas, you know, obviously, number one, you worry about the people. Number two, you worry about the customers and the people at home. I am guessing that there are a few people listening to this right now thinking, you know what, this is a great case for furthering automation in warehouses generally. Do you think that's on Amazon's mind right now? And I know they already have a ton of robots doing a ton of things, but do you think they're trying to make that even uh, more present in the way that they go about fulfilling orders? I have been very curious to whether in the midst of all of this, do they start testing or like aggressively rolling out more quickly than planned new types of automation or existing automation, you know, for better reasons than cost savings. And as best I can tell from people I'm talking to inside the company, they are really so heads down just trying to keep up with normal business operations that I honestly don't think they have time for that. So the short answer is I don't think they're quickly rolling out any new automation. But I have a feeling that it's going to be on their minds once this is all over. Oh, for sure. I mean, I like your optimism uh, when this is all over. Um, I'm still... (laughs) 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 Listen, my when this is all over is extremely far down the line. But yes, we can talk about that some other time. Well, yeah, my two little kids are asking me every 30 minutes when this is all over. So, um, uh, wow. special. Are we there yet is taking on a whole new meaning. Uh, well, we need these, uh, you know, I am, I am smiling right now while, while we're joking. So that's a good thing, I guess. If Amazon keeps up with demand, do we know how much money the company stands to make because of this pandemic? We'll know for sure in late April when Amazon, assuming they keep their normal schedule, uh, will announce their earnings and sales for the first quarter of this year, essentially the first three months of this year. So the demand really started to ramp up in February, so about halfway through the three-month period. It's going to be a huge increase. I'd be lying if I know exactly what it's going to be. But by what, from what I'm hearing from inside the company, that people are so heads down, they don't really <laughs> have time to do anything else on the retail side except execute today's mission, so to speak. It just makes me think that the numbers are going to be massive. And and something to keep in mind, you know, in the early 2000s, uh, there was a SARS outbreak in China. 
Um, During that time, there was a company called JD.com, which is now one of the largest e-commerce sites in the world. And, you know, number one or number two, depending on how you want to slice it in China, that really, really got its start and gained popularity during that time when people were staying home. What we're going to see, assuming we do get through this um, as a world and in the U.S. as a country, is that you're going to have people that never shopped online that are going to start and stick with it. You're going to have people that shopped a little bit online that are going to now shop more online after this. And then, you know, specifically for online groceries, I mean, you're going to see sort of a huge spike in the amount of people who are comfortable with grocery shopping online. And like some of those will go back to stores, but I think we're going to see like some plateau in the middle where this will be sort of a long-term turning point in how many, many Americans and many people around the globe shop. So basically what you're telling me is that this pandemic, the fact that people are stuck at home, could get people to be even more online and even more online shopping savvy than than ever before. Like this could be a complete game changer for Amazon in many ways. And it stands to really, really profit from this even after the pandemic ends, like in the long term. Yeah, it's absolutely will have a long term positive impact, you know, from what I can see right now on Amazon's business. And I haven't had much time to think about this with everything going on, but I have thought a little bit about the fact that three months ago, one of the main storylines around Amazon and frankly, you know, real um, focuses by lawmakers and the government was on, is Amazon too powerful in certain markets? Should they be broken up or should their behavior be forced to change and their business practices forced to change? Right. They're going to likely come out of this even more powerful. And I'm just, I'll be very interested to see at, when, at that point whether that the narrative and the focus shifts back or whether they've sort of earned themselves you know, more understanding or more allegiance from lawmakers as this crisis goes on, if they're able to keep being the one company online above all others that are serving the needs of whole populations that are stuck inside. Uh, it kind of seems like it's Amazon's world and we're just living in it. Right now, times like 100, yep. Jason Del Rey, Senior Commerce Correspondent for Recode. Thank you so much for talking to me about Amazon and really laying it out there for us to understand exactly how Amazon is responding to all of this. You're very welcome. Over the weekend, Amazon made two major announcements. First, it'll temporarily stop shipping non-essential products in both Italy and France. And second, Amazon says it'll now pay all U.S. warehouse workers double time for any overtime hours they complete. We reached out to Amazon for comment. A spokesperson told us that there's, quote, no place for price gouging on Amazon. That same spokesperson also said that Amazon had implemented measures to keep workers safe, like the banning of group stand-up meetings during shifts and more frequent cleanings of warehouses. To stay updated on this story, check out Jason Del Rey's reporting on Vox.com. That's it for today's show. 
I'm Ariel Dumras, and this is Reset. If you haven't subscribed to the pod yet, now's the time. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or in your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, please take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find the show, and I read all the reviews because I care. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at ADRS. You can also reach the Reset team by emailing reset at vox.com. We publish episodes three times a week on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. And so that means that we will be back on Thursday. So check that out. Later, nerds. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.